Well, today we arrive at part 10 of our Becoming Who You Are series. If you have joined us over the last few weeks, um, that's great. We love having you here with us, joining us in our series, our church series. But you can catch up on the pre-lockdown sermons um, through our podcast, which is on our website, um, on iTunes and on Spotify. So you can go there and find there. Just type in the Connie Baptist Church and it should come up. But today we continue in verse 10 of chapter 2. Yes, just one verse today, but this helps us finish off this little 10 verse section, which I think has to be personally probably one of the greatest descriptions of the gospel in the Bible. And so if you want to uh, give a description to anybody about the gospel, there's a good place to go. So get your Bible, open it up, read along. If you like, even maybe read it out loud as we go along. That's a good thing to do. And we'll look at verse 10 here. And it says this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me pray and then we'll dig in. Father, we ask that we would see who you are calling us to be and the responsibility that we have and the privileges that we have as being children of God. So Lord, help us now, we pray, as we open your word. Speak to us by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the distance is too great. The power to make it out, we don't possess. But by his amazing grace, he brought us up out of the grave into new life. That's a short summary, I suppose, of what we've seen over the last two weeks from Ephesians 2, 1 to 9. But now the question that faces us is this, why? Why has God done this work for us and in us? Well, I think we could all give an answer to that question. Maybe we would say, well, because he, he loves us, he, he has uh, given wonderful grace to us, his mercy has lavished upon us, and all of which are perfect answers. But now the spotlight widens, if you will, and no longer does the light simply shine on God the Father, but now you and I enter the scene. Yes, you heard me right. You and I, you and me, enter the scene. Those of us who truly have repented and turned to Jesus, you you and I are on this page. Your name might not be written here, but you are here. Read the first half of verse 10. And please, as we do, Note the word for at the beginning. That means because, which in itself tells us that we are about to read, or what we're about to read is the result of all that comes before it. So let's read it together. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Today's message is called Workmanship Work, which I hope will become clear as we go along. But let's begin by asking a question. And we're going to have a few questions today just to answer this and to work out what God is saying to us. First question is this, what does it mean to be God's workmanship? Well, in the original Greek language, it meant that which has been made or a work, a making. But the best translation that I have heard of this term workmanship is actually from 
F.F. Bruce, when he said it meant this. It meant his, God's work of art, his masterpiece. Therefore, let us establish in our hearts this morning, you and me, that we, the Christian, are God's work of art. Could there be any more elevated words to describe a believer in all the Bible? See, this means that the Christian, you and I, are God's works of art, his masterpieces. Well, we all know, don't we, that God is the creator of the universe and he created everything in it. And that's what the Bible says, so we believe it. And nothing exists apart from him. Psalm 19, for instance, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his handiwork. So, the galaxies, the stars, our solar system, are all his handiwork. Yet, as much as they are his handiwork, they are not his masterwork. The story of my brother and I skiing, which I have unfolded over the last number of weeks, still remains applicable here. For those of you who have been with us, you can recall that story, I'm sure. You see, not only were we lifted from the cold valley to the warmth of the summit, and when we arrived, we marvelled at what we saw. But the question is, what did we see? Well, as the sun beat down on our cold bodies, because we were in the valley and now in the sun, and as we took off our ski goggles for a moment, just take in the view, we saw miles and miles of snow-covered rock that had stood for generations. The beauty of what seemed to be the perfectly placed fern trees as they accented the mountainsides, the vast blue sky as the perfect backdrop to the cold scene, and there on a mountain was us, small and seemingly insignificant, standing in the middle of it, all. But here's the most wonderful thing. In God's eyes, in stunning creation which surrounded us, that creation was not his masterpiece. But the two guys who stood on the creation, they were God's masterpieces. Think of human life. Think of a newborn baby. Eyes and mouth wide open, arms reaching for life the apex of God's creation. Why do I say that? Well, the baby is, of course, a physical wonder. Its mind is an amazing computer recording virtually everything it experiences. And we can uh, know that for sure because we have a two-year-old daughter. We, she takes in everything that goes on in this house. Her eyes pass on incredible amounts of data through the cornea, then through the focusing lens where the image strikes the retina, stimulating 125 million nerve ending simultaneously. This is then processed by millions of micro switches and funneled down the optic nerve, which contains one million separate insulated fibers. And the reason that's the case is because then there's no short circuits. Well then, when the information reaches the brain, there's an equally complex process that begins, all of which takes place in a millisecond. 
But what is more amazing than even this is that this baby is made in the image of God. St. Augustine said this, Men go abroad to wonder at the height of mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, at the long courses of rivers, at the vast compass of the season, at the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. But we must ask a second question here. And this question this morning is this. Why are we called his workmanship? Why does it say in verse 10, we are his workmanship? Well, you see, right now in this message, I need to make a very important clarification. And please listen to this and understand this. We are in no doubt that human life is the apex of God's creation. However, mankind is not the workmanship the masterwork spoken of in our text this morning. That may surprise you, after all I have just said. But I wanted to set this up because the workmanship, the masterpieces that we see here are those who are created in Christ Jesus. That's what it says in verse 10. So the ultimate workmanship of God is a human being who, despite his dead state in his sin, has been made alive in Christ. The one who was in Death Valley but now lives on the summit spiritually. Well, for me and my brother, not only were we creatures made in the image of God standing in an awesome creation of God, but more wonderful than any of this, we were by the grace of God and his mercy, new creatures standing on his awesome creation. So for those who trust in Jesus, the Bible says they are new creations. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we are his masterpieces because we cost his son's life. Jonathan Edwards said this, the spiritual life which is reached in the work of conversion is a far greater and more glorious effect than being at by than mere being and life. Oh, your physical living, breathing and walking around is a wonder, yeah. But nothing compared to the wonder of how God brings people from death to life spiritually. That's a greater wonder altogether. Some of us have days, weeks, seasons in our lives, don't we, where we actually doubt our worth. We ponder our existence to the point um, of wondering why we are existing. But when we grasp even the sight of these truths, that we are his workmanship, his masterpieces, his work of art, these doubts should begin to fade away. 
I have always loved the imagery of the potter and the clay. And so let's think of God as the potter and our life as that lump of unformed clay. But day by day, and week by week, month by month, and year by year, through the experiences and fires of our life, that God, by his mercy, brings us through, he is shaping us into something of a masterpiece. See, the Christian life is a process. Christian faith is a process. No perfection this side of heaven, although we strive for it, yet in God's eyes, he only sees his children as he sees Jesus, good, perfect and righteous. That's a mystery, isn't it? Well, Michelangelo was once asked what he was doing as he chipped away at a shapeless rock. And he replied, I'm liberating an angel from this stone. What an answer. And that's what God is doing with us. We are in the safe and secure hands of the great maker, the ultimate sculptor who created the universe out of nothing. And he has never yet thrown away a rock on which he has begun his masterwork. Well, then moving on, we ask a third question today, and it's this. What does being his workmanship mean for us, for the Christian? Well, firstly, there's no denying that it means that we are in a privileged position. Secondly, it means there is work to do. The Lord's work, his mission. Now, those of you who have been following along with us over the last two weeks or so, will recall me saying explicitly that there is nothing, no work we can do that saves us or moves us into favour with God. Think of it like this. We cannot work our way into his workmanship. But his workmanship work. So this work is a response to his saving grace and not the other way round. There's an old story from the Middle East that speaks to this issue. And I want to tell you that just in these moments here. There was a man travelling on his donkey when he came upon a small fuzzy object lying in the road in front of him. Of course he dismounted to look more closely and found a sparrow lying on its back with its legs uh, scrawny as they were thrust skyward. At first he thought the bird was dead but on closer inspection he was very much alive um, and the man asked the sparrow was he alright? The sparrow replied yes. So the man said, well, what are you doing lying on your back with your legs pointed towards the sky? To which the sparrow said that he had heard a rumour that the sky was falling. And so he was holding his legs up in support of it. Well, the, man, the man replied, you surely don't think you're going to hold it up with 
those two scrawny legs, do you? Well, the sparrow, with a very solemn look, responded by saying, One does the best he can. See, the bird's self-deceit and futile works were obvious. In the same way, our efforts of desperate works for the gain of salvation are as effective as the sparrow's legs. But once we are saved, once we become a Christian and become his workmanship, as Paul says in Ephesians, we must work. Look again at verse 10. For we as workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that is being born again, becoming a Christian, for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So works here are the sign, the evidence, if you like, that we are his workmanship. So think of the Apostle Paul for a moment. I don't know how much you know about him, but he's a Jew of all Jews. That's what he said. One of the people who followed the rules, did the work in the hope of salvation. But after his conversion on the road, explicitly refused to accept that works were the grounds to salvation, but powerfully persuades those who he speaks to, and now as we read it, that good works are the fruit of true salvation. But Paul takes it further than this. Not only does he want us to realise we are new creations to work, but that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in his works. What does this mean? Well, it points back to a major theme of chapter 1, as we looked at it quite a number of weeks ago now. And it is our election. By which I mean that before the foundation of the world, God chose us, those who would become Christians. Well, that's, that's very hard to comprehend for many of us, but that's what he did. So with this, we attach Paul's statement here and come to the wonderful conclusion that not only did he predestine us for adoption to be sons and daughters of God, but he also prepared, at that time, he predestined work, predestined work for us each to do. But even more than that, in his telling us that we are to walk in them, we rightly presuppose that he will equip us to fulfil such work which he has predestined us to do. Well, how will he equip us? Well, by the Holy Spirit, the one who lives within the true believer. So just as he equipped the birds to fly, surely then he will equip those whom he has called. If you told me five years ago that I would be leading a church like Nakani Baptist Church, I would have told you that you were mad, that I couldn't possibly do it. But, you know, the reality in those days, five years ago, that I would stand up week by week to preach to hundreds of people, to sit down week in, week out, preparing sermons, to walk with people in various circumstances and circumstances that I've never been in myself, I would have thought you were daft. But 
All I can say is that by God's grace, his evident calling, his daily bread, his enabling and equipping, equipping, it happens. His workmanship, work. That includes every member of our church, every believer who is listening today. There is work to be done and he will equip you to do it. I wonder how God has gifted you and how you can use those gifts that he's given you for his service. As elders in KBC, we have often <clears throat> had the privilege of walking with many people as they express those gifts in works of service. We love doing that. Um, but I would encourage you to pray that God would make known to you how he has gifted you and ask him to make clear the area in your life that you can best use and express that gift as you serve God. Why am I asking you to do this? Well, because when you establish yourself in the work which he has prepared for you, there is an awesome sense of the help of the Holy Spirit. Like a great wind in a mighty ship's sail that helps you and aids you and equips you. One day we are going to return to physical gatherings, which we long for. But how we would, we, we would return to that with fresh zeal for the service of the Lord within our local church. Not just ticking boxes, but serving God himself in his place where he is situ situated us. In our community, in our daily situation, wherever that may be, wherever God has placed us. And today, as we are separate, thinking in creative ways in which we can serve the Lord while we're in lockdown. I want to finish with this. Workmanship. Let's get to work. Father, we thank you that we are those who love and trust God. We are your workmanship. We are your masterpieces, your works of art. And you have saved us by grace through faith. But you have called us now to work to serve you, the gifts that you have given us. Lord, may we be willing, may we have a new zeal for that now as we're separated. And when we come back, like never before, we would have a zeal to serve Christ where he has placed us. Lord, help us to think of creative ways in which we can serve each other, serve you in these days. Lord, help us to have passion and motivation and excitement about how we would be used and how you would carry us and equip us to do that. Lord, help us not to put walls up and barriers up that restrict us from doing that. But look at all that you've done in saving us and be willing to give our lives and commit our lives to you in your service until our last dying breath. So Lord, bless us, we pray. Take us, guide us, continue to keep us safe, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you all and keep you safe. And I pray that there has been an encouragement as we uh, close out those first 10 verses of chapter 2 and we'll continue with that next week. God bless and enjoy this next song as we reflect on all that we have looked at today.